I gave my love a horgon that's made of stone. I gave my love a croissant after we boned. I gave my... Ah! Ah! Sorry. Welcome to Reengage. Where we watch every episode of the sci-fi series Star Trek The Next Generation and re-engage with the show from the perspective of adult storytellers instead of the Gen X kids we were when it first aired. Today, we are talking about the 20th episode of Season 4, Cupid. And I'm excited to welcome my fellow cultural rid officers to discuss this episode that puts the cast in badly fitting tights. Eric Curry, unfortunately, won't be able to join us for this episode. Which is very sad. I would have loved to hear his thoughts on the fighting and the smooching and all that fun stuff, but that's okay because we have a very special guest uh, joining the panel. I'll introduce him in just a bit, but first I want to say hi to you, Kate Yeager. How are you doing? You just sang and it made me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I thought I should have warned you, uh, but... uh... No, I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad that (laughs) discovered in the moment. No pop culture this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't want to be upstaged this week. GBG, how are you doing as you take that sip of coffee? Uh, I am doing fantastic. Always love a good Horgan Diddy, so thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and our special guest is very exciting to me. I haven't seen him in, I think we said 12 years. It's been a long time, but Daniel Solace, you are here to join us. You are uh, welcome. Hey, thanks. I am. <laughs> you are welcome. You are welcome. <laughs> uh, but I was just going to give your, your brief intro here. You are the art director for WizKids Games and even working on a Star Trek game. Is that right? Uh, working on several Trek games, yeah. Um, whenever a Trek license comes through for WizKids, I'm going to be the art director on it. Uh, so I get to play around in that space. And it's real, just a lot of fun because like, I'm just living in Trek all day, every day now. what is your background with star trek when did you start getting into it and and uh watching it was it was it next generation or before yeah it was definitely next generation and and it was on when i was a kid um and you know whenever i would turn it on it would be randomly just on broadcast tv because it was in syndication uh and i gotta be honest when i was a kid and i saw people talking in conference rooms i was like eh, maybe i'll skip this but there were people in like weird makeup and ships and stuff and occasionally there'd be an explosion and i just kept on watching and that's when i got hooked about like right around best of both worlds i, I got to see that as mm. it aired and man that was whew, good stuff yeah you don't forget those kind of cliffhangers right they especially when you're young yeah when you had to wait the real in real time to see how it resolves over that whole summer oof <sighs> Awesome. Well, we're excited to have your uh, input. This is a fun episode. As I said, it is Cupid, meaning uh, Q is involved uh, with the shenanigans going on in this one. Um, Stardate 44741.9. But in our world, that was April 22nd, 1991. I got some fun things that were happening, mostly in the sports world. Uh, A lot of the, you know, more newsy type things that were happening uh, were less interesting to me. But here, April 19th, a couple days before this aired, Evander Holyfield beat George Foreman in 12 rounds uh, for the heavyweight boxing title. 
that was notable, at least for me, because I think George Foreman was in his elder years at this time. Um, and uh, uh, Holyfield became the heavyweight champion for a few years and uh, entered kind of pop culture uh, awareness uh, from there. Do you guys remember that fight? Oh, yeah. I, rem I remember the grill. <laughs> The George Foreman the grill. <laughs> <laughs> Which he used in the fight, and that's yeah. why he lost. <laughs> Disqualified. He knocked out the fat, though. <laughs> nice plug. On April 20th, uh, Rocket Ismail signed with the Toronto Argonauts in the Canadian Football League for $26.2 million over four years. I pay, my mom was a big uh, college football fan, so I paid a lot of attention to college football, and he was a star in uh, on the Notre Dame team. And I remember all everyone being like, oh, he's going to be in the NFL, he's going to be fantastic. And then I didn't even realize there was a Canadian Football League when this happened, and this was like what the marquee signing for, um, uh, for this amazing uh, uh, wide receiver as well as punt and kickoff returner. And uh, at the time, it was the highest... Uh, paid salary for anyone in football, NFL uh, as well as uh, <laughs> the CFL. Um, did you guys remember that story at all? No. No. Yeah, say that one slipped past really. me. Interesting. Well, I I, mean, I remembered it because it, Rocket was his nickname. Mm. He had a younger brother whose nickname was Missile. <laughs> and uh, a, another, uh, God, his other brother was had another... Projectile. Uh, uh, Projectile <laughs> nickname. Um, here, where is it? And I just think it's oh, the bomb. His name was the bomb. Was he was he heavier? I think so. Yeah. Uh, and then of course the, the, the silliest thing was that his mother uh, was sometimes referred to as the launch pad because <laughs> oh, all of her no. sons. Oh no no no! <laughs> Damn you, oh. Wikipedia, for making me aware of that fact. Um, and uh, this is also a, a, a somewhat related thing. On April 25th, Boston Herald journalist Lisa Olson brought suit against the New England Patriots for sexual harassment in the locker rooms. Do you guys remember that story? How it was this big deal. They referred to their anatomy as the Patriot missiles was the thing that I remember as the example of how she was treated poorly by those players. Well, the good news is that the NFL cleaned up after that and has not had any problems <laughs> since. A bastion of sunshine. What a relief. <laughs> I know, right? We really dodged that missile. Oh. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't resist it. The, and that is the funny thing about all these news stories is that it's like, isn't it great? Everything changed and was, you know, perfected after. Nah, no, that's not what occurred at all. But there were some fun things going on in the entertainment world. Kate, why don't you let us know about those? That's right. Uh, we missed a few weeks from our last episode. So we missed uh, the song, I've Been Thinking About You by London Beat. I've been thinking about you. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I've been thinking <laughs> about you. Ooh. And then uh, number one this week is You're in Love by Wilson Phillips. Mm. You're in love. That's the way. It should be. Oh, Wilson I Phillips. Wilson Phillips. I mean, how I just picture them on a beach always. Coming to <laughs> your birthday party soon. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sitting on a car hood. <laughs> 
On the movie front, the number one movie was Out for Justice with Steven Seagal. Yeah. Which leads mm. to our television uh, happening of the week, which was on April 20th, Steven Seagal hosted SNL and was soon banned from appearing ever again and has been branded by Lorne Michaels as the worst host ever uh, because wow. of the way he treated everybody backstage and on stage. A lot of karate chops? Yes. <laughs> he learned from that experience too and is a wonderful person now. Yes. <laughs> and the last thing is that on television, uh, the show Dinosaurs premiered on ABC mm. and I have a real soft spot in my dinosaurs. heart Yo. for that move, for that show. Oh man. That way that show ended though, that was a oh. heartbreaker. Right? Talk about yeah. just ruining your childhood. <laughs> and that's what was happening in pop culture. Do, 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 do. I wanted to have a little outro like Jimmy always does. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> that was an extended do, 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 do. I liked it. So uh, speaking of uh, Jimmy's intros and outros, uh, what do you got to tell us what was happening behind the scenes, Jimmy? Well, Greg, I'll tell you, I'm not going to give Larry a horgon this week because I found his uh, entries rather limp. Whore gaunt. No, I don't know how to whore transition don't. out of that. More like whore gone. <laughs> Get out of here. The wave really nailed it. Thank you. That's what yeah, the it over the top for me. Uh, but Daniel, you were doing some research here around this episode. Uh, what were some of the fun things that you uncovered uh, about it? Oh, just a little bit of trivia. Uh, apparently during the uh, fight scene, the big climax in the last act, Frakes uh, got some kind of injury on his eye during the scene where he's like defending against a, uh, a guard with his big quarterstaff. And so he got sent to the hospital and there wasn't enough time for him to get uh, dressed into plain clothes. So he's going into the Hollywood hospital in full little john regalia and none of them none of the staff cared that just this kind of thing just happens at a hollywood hospital apparently just the tuesday yep <laughs> all, all normal just operating procedure here you know, get on get, get on the gurney i guess we got another one from central casting <laughs> oh freaks all i wanted to say was situation normal all freaked up <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm done for the day. Well I'm done played. for the day. You know that they mention it? If he leaves a room, does he go like, ah, freaks out? <laughs> if he now doesn't, he, he hasn't lived. <laughs> this episode was written by Ira Stephen Bear, and the story was by Randy Russell and Ira Stephen Bear, and directed by Cliff Bowell, uh, one of the most prolific TNG directors. Um, but this was an idea that was kind of pitched by Randy, uh, Randy Russell, as like, what if there was this uh, Picard, Vosh, Q love triangle? And uh, Ira Stephen Bear had been um, not on the staff for season four. He ended his contract after season three. But Michael Piller, who was show running at the time, uh, was like, well, he's a big, uh, you know, he's a big fan and would be able to handle this particular story idea well. Um, they were at one point going to go back in time to Camelot, not Sherwood Forest and the legend of Robin Hood. Uh, but it was uh, Ira who was like, no, I think it will be better if it's Sherwood Forest. And yeah. they quickly got on board with the idea of mapping the TNG cast to 
you know, the the, the merry men of uh, all of Sherwood's uh, way funnier than Camelot. Everybody knows that. Yeah, it's just funnier, right? Speaking of which, there was a lot of marketing and things happening for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, uh, which this was in April 1991. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, starring um, Kevin Costner and uh, Alan Rickman. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Everybody was in that movie. It felt like (laughs) Christian Slater. Um, I forgot Slater was in it. Yeah, he was Will Scarlet, remember? Oh, yeah. Uh, He was played Worf. (laughs) 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 <laughs> uh, before he got that cameo in uh, in Star Trek Six, or actually, I guess that's after this cameo, right? The cast has gone on to say that this was a really uh, fun production to work on because it was certainly had an air of comedy and a lightheartedness that many Star Trek episodes do not have. Um, and the Marina Sirtis even goes on to say that uh, that they all really bonded uh, around this episode because they got to just joke and have some fun. And uh, as I alluded to in my intro, that uh, scene with Worf taking the uh, guitar and smashing it against the tree um, is directly inspired by Animal House, National Lampoon. The writer <laughs> just put that in as a, yep, nope, that's that's what that is. I did find one bit of extremely nerdy trivia regarding that scene, actually. Uh, apparently, Jordy yeah. is playing a mandolin there. Uh, and mandolins were not invented by the 12th century, so he should be playing a lute. Oh, a lute. Mm. And it's funner to say, because he could do the liquid U. Lute. Lute. Oh, I love a liquid U. Uh, Oh, I did want to talk one more about one of the uh, guest stars uh, in lieu of Eric Curry not being here to give the report. Uh, The two, of course, John Delancey and uh, the woman who plays Vash. Jennifer Hetrick. Jennifer Hetrick, yes. Oh, and there is actually there is one bit of trivia. Apparently someone said that Patrick Stewart and Jennifer Hetrick were engaged while filming this episode, which... I, I'm not sure if that's true or not because they don't seem to have that much actual chemistry on uh, uh, on, on the set together. We'll get to that as we as we dig in to it a little bit more. Um, but Clive Reville plays Sir Guy, and he is a uh, amazing act, character actor. He's been around. Um, in, he was born in New Zealand uh, in 1930, still alive uh, to this day. What? Um, and yes, yes, uh, he is still around, at least according to IMDb. Um, and he is a prolific uh, Shakespearean actor, uh, as well as voice actor for many projects, including Pinky and the Brain uh, and many video games uh, out there and has a storied career in uh, both um, genre stuff as well as uh, on Broadway. I won't go into all of the details uh, like Eric often does, but two bits pointed out to me. This is his uh, one of three Robin Hood related projects that he was in, uh, including Robin Hood Men in Tights, uh, which is the parody uh, to Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. And uh, he was also in a movie in the 50s based on Robin Hood. Also, he is one of the few actors that has roles both in Star Trek and Star Wars. 
He was the voice of the Emperor in the original version of uh, Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Subsequently, voiceover was changed when uh, George Lucas went back and made the special edition and put uh, Ian McDiarmid, who played uh, Emperor Palpatine in Return of the Jedi, uh, his, his voice was back in the Empire Strikes Back. But they kept uh, Clive Rebel's credit in the uh, thing as originating that role still. Oh, okay. Neat. Yeah, right? I think that's it. Let's get into this episode proper, shall we? It starts off as Picard lets us know uh, he is uh, at uh, orbiting Tagus 3, and he's very excited to host the Federation Archaeological Council's symposium in which he will be providing a speech, uh, which is... (laughs) You know, commented on many times uh, here. He's very nervous about uh, appearing not just as a starship captain who leads the Federation's flagship, but in this in this crowd of archaeological giants, he's a little bit nervous uh, to be shown as just an amateur. And he has a nice conversation with Troy, who uh, you know tries to make him feel like uh, his speech is going to be pretty good. What did you guys think about this opening as he discusses the inner workings of his speech with Troy? <laughs> it's kind of fun to see him all in his head, right? About like, because there's he's confidence most of the time, uh, you know, so being all in his head about whether or not he's smart enough is kind of cute. Yeah, right? And I thought Counselor Troy actually did some some decent counseling here. Oh, yeah, she did. I didn't even notice it. She did do counseling. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know it's good counseling when you don't even notice it wow hey also good writing that's oh, how you yeah. can tell <laughs> he does this thing where that is my favorite trek troupe um that uh they, they do this every so often in dialogue uh, whenever somebody describes or lists things that have happened in history they'll always list like two normal things and then one alien thing as like the third capper to remind you hey it's in the future and he does this thing where it's like he lists these archaeologists that are going to be in attendance of his speech and it's like joe and tom and then it's like (laughs) drop and that just piqued my interest because i'm like okay is there a is there a memory alpha entry for drop the archaeologist who never appears on screen (laughs) but is this like whole other side thing uh but yeah that's that's my favorite trek trope if they can just list two things two normal things and then a third bizarro thing (laughs) nice and they always do it with references from the 20th century too it's always like things that you would know uh so i'm I'm always like in the 24th century does our time have uh, you know a a a bigger importance to them well we are the pinnacle of pop culture right now as we've seen from all of your uh reports kate (laughs) the 90s gosh we could get real deep into the trek lore here about the about like the post-atomic horror and all the history lost, but let's not get into all of that. <laughs> I think we should. Uh, no, but yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start doing some drugs uh, as we uh, host the rest of this. That's always my bit when, uh, in uh, the first episode, a counter and par- far point where John Delancey like, does that sniffing thing right. on his, his shoulder. <laughs> I'm always like, that's what they're, you know, uh, the, the terrible times were known for was having cocaine on your shoulder. <laughs> Uh, So after that conversation, Picard, uh, still here in the opening bit, goes to his quarters and takes a very long, slow, uh, you know, slice of life moment here for Picard as he dims the lights. uh, It's sexy in there. It is real sexy in there. He felt it. He knew something was going on. 
the lighting is good because it spotlights right on the thing we're supposed to notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has normal blankets, no mylar sheets this time. <laughs> <laughs> but he's wearing the mylar pajamas later. Yeah, so. yeah. there's he a is, lot of I tunic was... work on, on Patrick Stewart this episode. <laughs> I'm for it. <laughs> 100%. Right. Well, and those are his pajamas. We've seen him in that pajama style, uh, and we've commented how it's so uh, much sexier than what Frakes wears, which is very interesting dichotomy between the two. That Frakes, the the playboy, wears a very stoic, long pajama, huh. but Picard, he wants you to his see that chest in the shorty shorts. He doesn't skip leg day. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, did you guys note what that uh, thing is that he holds up when he is contemplating it? I didn't clock I, it at first. I didn't. Yeah. No. It It is the Horgon from no. from uh, Ryza, right? And I, I wish they had kind of, there should have been a line of dialogue or something that really uh, notices it because mm-hmm. uh, all Vash says as we hear her voice uh, from inside his quarters uh, is like, does that remind you of something? And we're like, mm, but I don't know what it is. And we don't get that context. But it is supposed to recall their previous adventure on Ryza. Yes, yes. How did she get in there? Yeah, how did she get in that room? Like, where's Worf? I... How did she get in anywhere? Yeah. But also, but also, they make out with tongue hard. Yes. Open mouth <laughs> Open kissing. Mouth, for sure. For you sure. Can s- you can see the jaw working. Like, he <gasps> is putting this tongue deep into her mouth. That's for real kissing. IRL, as the kids say. I just, I, I found it very oddly non that. Uh, oh, I'm just saying, literally, no, they were was, using tongue. They were literally using tongue. Yeah. Though. Whether it you think legit. it was sexy or not, they were, oh. they were French kissing. <laughs> yeah. The actors. Agreed. There was an actual. Uh, that's right. what I'm. That's Kiss. what I'm responding that's what we're to saying. is the fact yeah. that that's that's unusual that you see that right. much mm. tongue. There was some assimilation happening there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but did you did you believe their their passion then? Even though there was tongue, did you believe that they actually had a connection? Yeah, I did. Here's what I think. Through I do, I do, because uh, I think he makes her a better actor. When she's in scenes with him, she listens. Mm. She's actively participating. When she goes to Sherwood Forest, all of a sudden I was like, what happened to her acting style? Because she's away from Stuart. And when they're back together, I believe her again. Mm. So there's something about about the two of them that I just believe her more as a as a character. Yeah, and I like the the difference the difference between the two of them and the similarity between she and Q. And it just now looking back, it makes me like the relationship even more because we see where the relationship between Picard and Q eventually ends up. Um, and there's just yeah. this, that, that weird thing of like, oh yeah, opposites do attract. Like, of course he would actually be attracted to somebody who's the antithesis in almost every regard to what he finds morally uh, sound and how to live your life. Um, and, you know, drawn into it. And, and I kind of like that weakness in him. Like we see in the beginning, the vulnerability is like he can't help himself. But like this person who is really bad for his <laughs> career and his personal life. <laughs> I mean, she's a straight up thief. Red flags all over the place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's bad. She's bad. Uh, and speaking of which, uh, after the credits, they are eating tea and sharing 
very 20th century breakfast pastries on the table between them. And this is where, uh, I guess, after whatever occurred the night before, it didn't matter. But now they're like, hey, wait a second. Why are you here? <laughs> are you a part of the architectural, uh, architectural, archaeological council? To which she never actually states that she is or is not. More or less, she says. Yeah. That is wild, isn't it? There's just no... Like no credentials, no background checks. She's walking around the bridge, going to the tent, getting ahead of myself there. But like, yeah, she has free reign of the whole ship. Again, Worf is right. But I, I find it odd that Picard is not smart enough to realize at this point what is uh, Vosh's real motivation for here. Yeah, I thought he caught on immediately. You did? Yeah, I mean, she's it, she doesn't say uh, I'm not a part of it, but what she says is so specific that you know that she's not. She's right. more or less. Right. And his reaction, I thought, just with his eyes, like, oh, okay, I'm with you. But again, he can't help himself. <laughs> he He's drawn to her. So she's not immediately posing a danger. It's, I know you're mm. up to something, but until I know what it is, you can stand the night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and right at that moment is when uh, Dr. Crusher walks in. So it's not like he yeah. gets And it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> Even the costuming when she walks in, I was oh. like, oh. Oh, that sweater. In that oh. saucy sweater. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's perfect. And I like that she stays with blue. Like she's oh, yeah. a medical officer, she doesn't yeah. go far outside of her palette. But kind of a it, Power Ranger situation, she always dresses in the same. Yeah. She's always in blue. Yeah, yeah. And, and we have that wonderful like Beverly, Doctor Beverly. Beverly Be- it's Be- yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> How do I introduce? Um, and I love that as soon as you hear that doorbell ring, Picard knows what's up. Oh, and right. He is immediately uncomfortable because he's like oh shit i told well and we find out that this is a tradition like this is something they do beverly and the captain meet for tea on a regular basis mm-hmm. in the and morning I love it and she dresses as cute as she can it's not sexy but it's like uh just beautiful she's like it's sassy she though. just yeah. looks nice it's sassy. And like mm, <laughs> hey jean-luc i, I... I love that they never, yeah, they never play this for jealousy. I never, I like that they're never in competition with each other. She's just like loving this. Yes. Well, and this is when you know this is going to be a fun episode. Like, yeah. the stakes are, are going to be at the yucks level. <laughs> yeah. Because the whole like, oh, I, I, I haven't heard of you. How intriguing! Like, right. just it's still it's delicious, is what I wrote it's about delicious. the scene. It's just yes. it was delicious. I, I love it too when there's, as you said, no competition between uh, two women, and their their only goal is to try to make uh, Picard as uncomfortable as possible. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> it's not hard. But yes, uh, Crusher offers to give Vash a tour of the Enterprise, uh, to which uh, Picard is like, uh, 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 I can't really stop you. Vash's complete disregard for his feelings here kind of is the through line uh, throughout this entire episode but she tries to make it as cute as possible being like i'm gonna behave don't worry i won't embarrass you uh, as we get to 10 forward um and i love this scene with Riker and how he eyes her from the beginning immediately immediately <laughs> Yes! Oh my gosh! It would literally is the Nauga moment. Like his eyeballs come out. It's uh, mm, I haven't seen you before. 
Cliff Bowl directs this definitely as like a, mm, I'm going to be at the bar here checking out what is occurring uh, as they walk in. I also like too that she's, uh, Vash is taking a, a view of the uh, people in 10 Forward. And then there's this moment where two unnamed extras kind of like hold hands together. Did you guys oh, map that, that a little bit? Oh no, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's like in the center. I guess they don't hold hands, but one of the one of the yeah. the uh, characters kind of reaches out, and it, I think they cut it before the other character did actually, you know, take the other person's hand. But for some reason, that image stuck in my brain as like a mm, that's kind of what this whole episode is about. It's about mm -hmm. the like one of them is reaching out, wanting to have more of a connection, and uh, the other one uh, not necessarily taking it. Mm -hmm. Good catch. You're bringing uh, Eric into the the podcast. <laughs> that's that's very Eric True. Curry. Yeah, but then of course we get the Riker working his magic on on Vash. What did you think of his opening line here? Oh my gosh, eternity never looked so lovely. Fuck you. That's never worked <laughs> ever in the history of two people coming together. That has never ever worked. There's somebody like behind. Uh, behind Riker at that moment, who's mouthing his words exactly because you know he said that line. He to... said it a million times, right? And you know this is written by a man. Yeah. Where you think that that's a, a <laughs> attractive way to approach a woman at all? I love though that she calls him out immediately on it, and then you know it's like, oh no, Jean Luc does a wonderful impersonation of you, yes. which is also just a boundary that she puts up immediately. Right, which is, by the way, let me just drop this name. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, and a little and bit of background of how he yeah. behaves. You know, like he's not a person who does impersonations. We've never seen that. But when he's alone with his booty call, there's a different Jean-Luc. Right, I want to see the scene where Picard is making fun of Riker to Vash. Yes. Like, what, doing that impersonation, what is that? I want to see the stand-up routine. Yeah, or, <laughs> how it even comes about. And there's going back to the Riker's opening line. There's like a weird bit of like negging in it too, because he's like, "Oh no, I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about the view oh, and how beautiful the view is. On. It's not you." Stop and I was it. like, "You motherfucker! Like, come on." So you and, don't want uh, to go to the arboretum, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so then Riker takes her up to the bridge uh, uh, and shows off all of the inner workings of their defense systems and their weapons. And uh, Worf is very upset, being like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't know there was going to be council members up here on the bridge. But she spies that chair immediately. At first, I thought she was looking at Worf's console and like, you know, trying to figure out how the weapon system works. But then I realized she's actually looking down or was directed to look down at the chair uh, and makes her way to that and sits on it very enticingly. Oh, she puts her feet up. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, no. Get your get your feet off the furniture, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very rude. <laughs> And all the uh, officers are a little bit like, what do we do in this situation? We never had dad's girlfriend here before. <laughs> <laughs> totally, because war backs down. You can't be here. Oh, yes, fine. If you're with the captain, then sure. Yeah, touch every button, uh, sure. <laughs> and she does. Well, And it was at this point when, I, uh, from the beginning, I wasn't sure if this was Vosh. I was like, I know Q's in this episode. Um, where is the turnaround here? So I, I wasn't, I, there, were, there was a suspicion in the back of my mind that this could turn a corner and maybe this isn't Vosh. And that's like when she went into the ship and she's look or into the bridge and she's looking around. And she's like, oh, it's just, you know, 
she's behaving suspiciously. Like, is she going to take over the ship? Is she a plant? So I wasn't quite sure yet if this was uh, uh, our Vosh from Risa. But then when she sat down on the chair, sort of playfully, it was like, like maybe she's cute. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is very unusual for having two recurring guest stars crossover with right. each other in the same episode. I don't know how often that happens. Huh. Yeah, that's a good point, right? You don't necessarily see yeah, I don't Hugh either. and Luoxana Troy yeah. in the same episode or something like that, right? You get a, so, a, yeah. a Barkley slash Ro Laren episode or something. <laughs> Ooh. That yeah, would be great because right? he's bumbling and scared and she's so bold. She's, right? They would hook oh, up. Sure. All right, fanfic away. <laughs> I'm sure there's some that exists already. And then, uh, you know, they get back to uh, the council is going to begin and Picard goes back to his ready room and boom, there is Q in his seat. There is definitely a theme of sitting in chairs uh, now that I'm realizing. Uh, <laughs> For these guest stars. And I love that uh, John DeLancey is there. He's got a little bit longer hair in this episode. Did you notice it's a little yeah. bit mullety? A little bit more, um, I don't know, wild, it, it felt. That was a look. It was a look. Back then. Right? And I wanted to mention right before we see Q, we have that great section where, where Vosh calls out Picard for not telling a single person about her. Oh, right. Um, right. Just that that will come into play later. I just I just find that so interesting. The secrets that the captain keeps, you know, when she's talking to uh, Troy about it. Right. Right. Like the, oh, yeah. He's a very private man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Great. Yeah. I get it. But seriously, you didn't tell anyone about me like <laughs> no one. One person. Yeah. And uh, she, yeah, right. She leaves it being like, oh, I'm sorry. You're so embarrassed about me. I guess I'll leave. <laughs> but yes, yes. When Q arrives, he's reading the speech that uh, Picard was lamenting about. And this scene is just wonderful. Uh, John Delancey comes in and makes me laugh. It's again, another character that puts uh, Picard on uh, the back of his heels. And he's just doing that whole like, I just want you to leave. Like, go. That's my wish uh, for you. Um, Q is trying to repay the debt uh, from the previous iteration where Q had lost his powers and he wants to make good on that with Picard. And it's just really fun, right? Uh, what did you guys think of, of, of the return of John Delancey? Anytime we get John Delancey, you know I'm a happy camper. But I love that there's a moment where Picard, a couple moments where he's tempted. Uh, because mm -hmm. when Picard says, I can take you to the, or when uh, Q says, I can take you to the ruins, even two million years ago, mm -hmm. there's that moment where you see him go like, oh, no. could, could that work? But no, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why he doesn't take it up. Like, he'll be back right before the speech. It, it, like, no harm done. I, I would have taken him up on the offer. like it Because it, well, it's Q, right? You can yeah, never I, assume there's no harm done. That's true. Fair enough. I mean, but what he's promising is a magic school bus. And like, okay, I want to go. <laughs> Please. Wow. Take nice me there. tie-in. <laughs> and um, so, I don't know. I, I would have I taken him up on the offer is all I'm saying. One, one interesting thing I did find <laughs> from uh, John Delancey uh, talking about this episode is that uh, he knew it was going to be a comedic episode, but he still wanted to give uh, an air of menace to Q's uh, delivery. So, like, every time he does a line reading, he's, like, spinning it and bending it to the most evil possible way that he can deliver a line that's otherwise presented kind of comedically. It's an interesting yeah. flavor to it. That's why it's so good. Yeah, how you can take a script that is, as you said, more comedic and just 
twist it in the performance. I did I did note that, and it's and to um, John Delancey's credit, he sees this, always saw this character as more of a villain and less of the the comic relief. And the writers, after the last few episodes, were taking a little bit more of that comic style. But there are specific moments where I'm like the way you way you're reading that is quite evil, especially once we get to to Sherwood Forest. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to talk about Sherwood Forest. <laughs> uh, I loved Delancey in this, and I love that they gave him a whole different way to present Q. Because up until this point, we, I mean, in the last time we saw him uh, in, um, what was it? Cued Squared? Cued, there's another play on Q. They're all plays um, on Q. They're all, they're all plays on Q. Q. Yeah. But, uh, it's when he becomes a he, human. And he, uh, yeah, it's where hungry. he's vulnerable. Um, and so this is a, this sort of a nice leap to where he's still going to be menacing, but there's some playfulness to that. There is, at the end, I'll talk about the relationship between Picard and Q that I think was a little questionable in this particular episode. But this intro to him, it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to have some fun. And how will we uh, get these these costumes that we saw on the, the teaser involved? <laughs> like, where is he going? How is he going to work this out? Uh, it's, it was a lot of fun, excitement, waiting to see where it turned. It was Deja Q was the was the <laughs> Yes, Deja Q. I love the ending of this scene too when Q yes. leaves and he calls in Riker and he says he wants to do something nice for me. I'll alert the crew. It's just such <laughs> a it. great one to yes. punch. Oh, it's such a good oh yeah. You gotta know there's a there's a Q policy just standing at all times. <laughs> unstated, but whenever something weird happens, they just gotta do a Q check and like Q. Okay, moving on. Like <laughs> And I feel like they have done that in this season where they were like, well, this can't be Q because, you know, uh, this weird thing that's happening, you know, they try to, to name check him in that way. Um, I noted that too, Kate, and it, it it made me laugh out loud. Riker's reaction being like, oh, shit. All right. Well, <laughs> batting the hatches down. Right. We got a Q. Picard goes to uh, uh, visit Vash. And this is where I was confused as to why he acted the way he does, because he sees a crew member passing by. And uh, waits until they leave and no one's looking before he rings the doorbell here. So I, th- I, I thought this was Vasha's like assigned private quarters yeah. that he needed yeah, to yeah. ring the doorbell for. Yeah, yeah. It was the assigned quarters. And, and that to me, that that looking was just like, you don't want to know that I'm doing a late night booty call. Booty call. Yeah, for sure. Mm. For sure. Um, but he says right away, he's like, hey, I'm sorry, uh, you know, that this is embarrassing to you. I mean, I, I don't find you embarrassing, but I'm just very private and we don't share it. And then, you know, she says, is that is that a, a federation policy or is that just you? Um, and that's where she's like, mm, I still don't trust you because, uh, oh, by the way, here's all this archaeological mining equipment. <laughs> she has a shovel. Watch out. In the projector on a stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, this will have to be confiscated. Props to the props department. Uh, and that the fact that Picard, I, I love Jean-Luc's kind of business here. Where he's holding them in his hands. He's got them both up here. And then he has to set them aside and lean them against the wall in a very particular way so they oh, don't oh, fall. Oh, shit. Oh. Right? How hard is that? That's a, that's a They must have done that at least three times with the things falling, uh, <laughs> smashing them up. But then we see Q poking his head through the, you know, hull of the ship, I guess, yeah. uh, in a little bit of a uh, Frighteners way or something. Yes, the height <laughs> of 1991 special effects. I love it. 
And we all know as the audience is like, ah, 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 he's going to do something funny. Oh, I just wish there was a, like in this moment, I just wish there was a lead up to the, to the Sherwood Forest. Like, like he's watching the argument and there's something in some artifact or something that gives mm. him the idea that leads into Sherwood a little bit, an arrow or something. Like she has artifacts around, surely. Like she has that kind of stuff. So like maybe that would have given right. a little hint. Or the book was Picard happened to be reading 20th century or 19th century literature or something. Because it is one of those like, why does everybody know (laughs) Robin Hood so well, (laughs) especially Worf, which thank God he did because it's a great line. But (laughs) there's no reason all these people know it that well. Truth. The Kevin Costner movie is really popular. (laughs) It has survived times. Yeah, 20th century culture. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is very very popular um i agree yeah i wish there was some kind of uh setup uh instead of uh q looking under the covers uh of picard's bed to be like well sleeping alone i thought that was uh weirdly um uh, familiar right i mean of course that's why picard is 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 off put but it it leads a little bit more into uh, what you were saying earlier, Jimmy, about like opposites attracting and like hmm, maybe in another world, these two Q and Picard are a hot little number. <laughs> no. OK. I love, I love when Q and Picard have, have tongues. And yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> this could have been a very different episode if it went that way. Q threatens that more things will occur. Uh, there's going to be more of a debt, uh, all of that fun stuff. So the speech is about to occur. We get all of the archaeological council in there. I love I love the slow reveal of this scene that mm. it's like all like it starts normal and then it's like, "Oh, why does Troy have a hat on and so is Beverly?" <laughs> and then all of a sudden Riker has a staff. And then Data has a turkey leg. Like I just love the <laughs> like little drops of it that it happens like so sporadically and yes. lovingly how does picard not notice is he just like so in his head that like he's no nope, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm doing this speech no matter what oh maybe it's the lights all i know is when he becomes robin hood i am down to clown he looks so <laughs> fucking good <laughs> the little little uh beard and yeah mustache. the little van dyke or whatever you call that thing i'm, I'm in 100 percent Right, the plunging neckline oh. too. Right, we get his uh, uh, chest hair. Those tights. I'm in. I'm in. I'm buying the whole <laughs> thing, kit and caboodle. When we get those the that that white flash that we now associate with Q's powers, uh, uh, and they all end up in Sherwood Forest. Um, it doesn't look very Sherwoody, actually. To me, it looks like a, a forest near Los Angeles, I was about perhaps. To say, it looks very uh, Anaheim-y. <laughs> yeah. It really does. Botanical yeah. gardens. If I mention it, it was a, it was a garden. It's in Glendale. Yeah. That's where they shot it. <laughs> Love it. That's uh, why I didn't bring it up. That's part of the Nemesic Files. It's boring. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you mention Glendale. Boring. Stupid. That's where we get that great line uh, from Worf. You know, they all kind of identify which character is who. Uh, we see John Little uh, as Riker with the fur that he's wearing, and uh, Data is the bald-headed monk. And then I am not a merry man, says Worf. Not a merry man, but it's a second good line, right? I think we may have missed it in Tintor. Oh, we did. Where Vosh walks by. Oh. <laughs> And he says, nice legs, 
for a human. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to Troy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, to, to Troy is there. Like, yeah. Uh, my favorite thing about about that about that one moment. Everyone everyone remembers the line, but to me, the the thing that stands out is that he has a hat on over his ridges. And it's it's just <laughs> you don't see Klingons wearing hats, and it just right, it, because of that it right? fits him so poorly. <laughs> but like I'd be put up with it too. <laughs> this is not a hat design for me. If it was if it was meant to fit over my big Klingon skull, yeah, maybe. I do love that he's all in red, right? Like he's Will Scarlet. He is dressed uh, uh, to the nines there. <laughs> Literal. Literal. I wrote down that Jordy had a, a lute, so I knew what it should have been, even ah. though it was a mandolin. I knew it should have been a lute. I just wanted to use those liquid use again. I'm sorry. You did it. You did it. It's so much fun. Worf gets to have some sword fighting, though. It's not. He's not using his backleth. He's using his full-on uh, sword fighting uh, the, uh, you know, guy. Right. It is actually yeah, Sir, Sir guy. guy of Gisborne. Yeah. Um, on the horse. And Worf doesn't lose this fight. That's good. Mm. He's been <laughs> I, I wouldn't say he won. Yeah. He gets knocked to the ground. Yeah. He does get an yeah. injury to his arm. That's true. That's true. But then they run off into the forest, and Picard says, That's an order. You can't fight the man on the horse anymore. Come with me. As the arrows are flying, though, they've already notched right. and let loose, and he's yeah. get into the forest. <laughs> he just stands there, and they walk into the forest. With no sign of the arrows. Like, did they, were you shooting at the forest and not them? Well, and all they do is walk into the bushes and they're like, well, well right. the, the woods have them now. Yeah. <laughs> right. and, yeah, he gives up. guy waits until the last person starts to chase. He's like, don't go in there. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't even bother. Yeah, they don't grab Worf. Nothing. As they go away, we have a commercial break. Uh, Worf then is uh, being patched up by uh, Dr. Crusher. She still knows how to do medicine in whatever weird fantasy land they are now. And then uh, Q shows up. Uh, I do like his entrance here where we hear the galloping horse. We don't see it. And then he does that white uh, flash of light and he's there in front of them as the Sheriff of Nottingham. The high sheriff. Oh, is it high? Oh, he's high. He's the high <laughs> sheriff of Nottingham. You know, this is something I noticed when I was a kid, uh, that he always adds an extra pip to his uniform whenever he's whenever he's wearing a Starfleet uniform. He just can't help himself. He, he's got to one-up everything. <laughs> I'm more captain than you are. <laughs> I got five pips. Um, and that's where they realize that uh, this whole thing has been set up for the storytelling of the rescue of Maid Marian. Uh, and that is, to your point, Jimmy, everybody in the cast seems to know this this legend and this story, and they're all able to figure it out pretty quickly. Inside and out. Maybe it was a big movie at the time. Like, they had done yet another remake. And it was <laughs> in 2024, really it's a, like, they, you know a remake. I kind of um, dig that old school Earth shit. <laughs> <laughs> And it stars Bloop Bloop, uh, the famous <laughs> actor. Best little John ever, Bloop Bloop. <laughs> Our great actors, like Robert Redford, Bloop Bloop. But then we see that uh, after they mention that Maid Marian uh, is probably Vash, we get a smash cut to Vash being very angry and talking to... Um, our uh, other uh, credited co-star uh, here. I uh, love her. her she said, I'm a lady. 
Joy Staten is her name uh, and has 10, 10 to 15 credits uh, to her credit. All of them as nurse, housekeeper, spectator number one from Voyagers. I love that that show, Voyagers, uh, in the in 1983. This uh, this episode in 1991, before she took a break and has now uh, appeared in a few shorts as well as in Dexter as oh. a widow. Oh. Right? So I loved her. This is a, a really fun Cockney accent that she gives us here. Uh, you know, if you, you're given this role, you got to lay it on so thick. Totally. It reminded me of uh, Lady Cluck from the Disney oh, version of yes. Robin Hood. Aww. One of my favorites. <laughs> it is. It is the best. And uh, we get Vosh being super not really understanding what's happening here until, of course, she's like, oh, wait, I'm the one who's being executed. Well, let me lay on the flirtation zone and... Uh, Guy falls for it immediately. And this is where I started to be like, where I started losing some of her connection as an actor is that there's Mm. no, and maybe it's just because of the way Vosh is as a character. There was no discernible moment where she was like, oh, I'm in trouble. Mm. I got to do this now. Like there was no switch of tactic in terms of like, oh, oh, I hit you. And now you say I'm going to be executed well come over here then right like yeah. there there was just it was all sort of delivered in the same yeah same i think way. the actor to your point kate not not to mansplain it like <laughs> go on yeah. play off of it yeah it's like ahead. the actor just knew it was a comedy so yes they didn't mm. put stakes in it as if yes. she was really in danger correct i think that's yes that's a that's a lovely side point thank you just to play off of your brilliance. That was good. That was good. That was good. This does lead into like, uh, if if I can indulge, if you'll indulge me in a little bit, in a little like head canon. This is totally not canon. Always not speaking Always. for yeah. anything official. It's canon. It's canon, Daniel. It's canon. already it's preemptively it's named as canon. Well, I can it, guarantee you it is. Well, you know how you mentioned that he has this always has this little flash whenever he does a a when over Q does a little like power thing. It's it's the same special effect that they use for the warp. Uh, whenever they go into warp, it's the same flash, and it led me to like just have this head canon thing that all of the things that Q can do are basically the same things that Starfleet can do with technology. It's just he's like a magician hiding it all. So my read on this whole scene was that this is like an advanced holodeck and all the characters are just like, it's not the first time the holodeck characters have kind of taken on a life of their own. And he says that the simulation is, is, you know, for real stakes. So I kind of read it as that, like, she's kind of, I know she doesn't realize it at the time, but like, I kind of took his reaction and and quick turn as like a holodeck character going with the flow. Mm, I see that. I see that. I I like, I like the, uh, the instant warp. I like that idea. Because you're right. What what reality is this, right? Like, is this a, a simulation? Because he does, right? He he said almost says like this is a LARP, but it's got stakes. Uh, I have no idea where it's gonna go. Did he really? <laughs> yeah, I think he lies all the time. And actually, that's yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Well, of course, and he can always just snap his fingers, and it could be changed. It's not like that. He doesn't have any control over this because he does. But then we switch from the scene in the tower uh, of Sherwood Forest. We got that nice establishing shot before this too of the of whatever castle that is uh, with some water uh, in front of it. We go back to Sherwood Forest, and it's time for comic relief. We've got two scenes that are really just here to be funny. Uh, the aforementioned smashing of Jordy's mandolin slash lute as a direct reference to that scene in Animal House. And then we have uh, 
Deanna Troy trying to shoot an arrow, but oops, it goes right into Data. She was terrible at it, but he was fine. He's fine. It, what does he say? It pierced through, like yeah, it actually yeah. pierces him. Like he's like, oh, it's my second microprocessor, but nope, everything, everything seems fine. to be working it's okay. Fine. He can apparently survive a lot of damage because he also like takes something out of his wrist later on, and like eh, no big deal. Oh yeah, yeah, we have. I will get that. I have no idea what that is. Oh, I love that he has bombs inside his body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flash bombs. But Data says, do not be concerned. I believe your aim is improving. <laughs> so he really truly is human. <laughs> so this is where Picard says, I got to do this on my own. I'm not going to risk you, uh, my fellow merry men, to uh, go to the castle and try to rescue Maid Marion. That's an order, Riker. This is a direct setup for how you're going to defy this order later. Right. <laughs> well, and Riker's a little, obs- like... It's it's the only real tense scene in the whole episode, right? Like, because Riker raises his voice, that you know, yeah. stupid idea, and that's why Picard comes snaps back with, "That's a direct order, and I expect you to follow it." Yeah, in like, that in uh, that scene, he like says, "Like this is not a mission; this is personal," and yet he still plays rank to to prevent him from doing it. Like, right. kind, of, <laughs> kind of playing both sides there, bud. Right. Yeah, I thought we were friends. It's kind of how how Riker wants it. Like, we're all in this together. I, I was tempted by Q once too, remember? But that's uh, where we go after this commercial break to the castle. And Vash and Sergei are living it up. They're very excited. And Q's like, wait a second, hold on. This whole setup is falling apart before me if you don't actually like Picard. I love that Q underestimates her at every what she will do to survive and thrive yeah. under which you know to i think it was jimmy's point earlier like the uh, these characters are really similar or maybe that was yours greg right like no that was me <laughs> the ending <laughs> the ending of this uh episode is so beautiful because they have sort of found each other in each other <laughs> <laughs> but i love that it doesn't follow the course that he thinks it's going to follow. Like that would be treacle, right? Yeah. Like that would just be, who, who wants that? The fact that everything gets thrown into disarray is a really beautiful bit of storytelling. Agreed, agreed. Um, one thing that did not work as well though was, I don't know if you guys noted this, I hadn't watched this episode in a long time, but as soon as, and maybe this is because the Robin Hood uh, uh, that I know best is the Disney version where we see the disguises that uh, the foxy Robin Hood is able to take on. As soon as that opening shot in the courtyard of the castle and uh, the <laughs> beggar is walking across the screen, I'm like, oh, that's that's Picard. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it right away. And then they play that whole scene. And then it's supposed to be this big reveal that uh, uh, Picard had been there sneaking in the whole time. Just didn't really land for me because I was like, yeah, no, I noted you in the beginning. The whole <laughs> I was not paying attention. And I was like, Picard. <laughs> Who is he? Yeah, I didn't see him walk in at all. But when he, as soon as they they cleared and he was in the background, yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's Picard." And I was like, "How easy it is to break into castles and starships." And starships. <laughs> that's a good point. Maybe they have more common than I thought. Or throughout the centuries, that's what it was teaching us. It's always easy to break in. It always has been. 
And then somehow he ditches that disguise and decides to climb up the window and rescue Maid Marian outside from the window. And they have this wonderful scene where she's like, "Mm, I don't think so. This is a stupid plan. I don't think it's going to (laughs) work. Well, and it's a comedy love spat, right? I'm trying to save you. I don't need saving. Or or from uh, The Incredibles, you didn't save my life. You ruined my death. (laughs) (laughs) It did have like a, uh, uh, you know, uh, Cheers-esque kind of feel here, right? Uh, And this continues into the next scene too, but like how they're lovers, but also rivals. And we got to see that play out for comedy. Vash takes his sword. He's about to try to fight his way out as a guy comes upon them arguing and she betrays him. She takes out his sword and uh, puts Picard at sword point and says, uh-uh-uh, I set this whole thing up, right? And is that how you guys read that scene that that she knew Picard was going to come to rescue her and told the guards and guy to um, to come in at a certain point? Because it, no. it seemed like that. You think she's she was improvising? I think Kate? she was improvising. I think that she would have gone with him had he had the crew there to help. Like, you know, like, I think, I, no, I think that was a spur of the moment. Got to save, got to save my ass and his, right? Like, because right. then she comes up with a letter to Riker and... Right. She buys, mm-hmm. she, roll, she rolls a high charisma check in that scene and, and manages yes. to make it work. <laughs> And Q is happy because he's like, ah, I worked out kind of in a weird way that this connection is is going on. But you're right. Vash does then feel a little bit guilty and uh, writes a letter to the maid to give to the maid. And she's like, I can't go into the forest. That's a perfect accent. <laughs> and <you> should... <laughs> It's almost as good as my singing from earlier. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but it does it she plays up that uh that accent uh amazingly well much better than i did but q bursts in and uh this scene with q and vosh is i think uh, uh where we really do get more of a connection between them right yeah oh he recognizes her he sees yeah. her <laughs> he does yeah no i think you're right and and in this scene i think that discovery of like-mindedness that will come into play later. Right. And you're good. You're very good. Right. Like, I, you devote further study, which is what every girl wants to hear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of weird lines delivered to Vosh this episode. It is. But if that came from Riker, it'd be creepy weird. Coming from Q, it's our understanding of him is like, yeah, that's like what you would say. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's what you do. Not that it's proper or good. It was like, but you're not proper or good. You're, yeah. you know, mischievous. Uh, and... Yeah. To you, that's from from him. That's as about as close as a genuine a compliment. compliment. <laughs> that's, that's, that's heartfelt. You're worth further study. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean it. Uh, but then he's excited because he's like, "Oh, there's going to be a double execution," and it's such a great stinger for the the final act of this episode. <laughs> Again, I the 90s effects of four robed people going in front of the first uh, establishing shot here. I'm like, mm, those are our boys. Stop those guys. Yeah, no, yeah. immediately. Those guys are immediately. <laughs> There's no doors in this castle, apparently. Anyone could just walk right in. <laughs> right. Monks are always coming to the executions. Oh. They love it. <laughs> they love it. Uh, Q does this interesting thing as he enters. He just kind of goes and and touches all the sharp things that are yeah. meant to kill Picard. He just comes in and just mm, touches them and then keeps walking. I love it. Right. Well, because mm-hmm. earlier, remember, it wasn't sharp enough. Right. Oh, that's yeah, he's right. like, can we get a touch sharper? It wasn't shall sharp we? enough. Yeah, touch sharper. And I love that scene with the guy. <laughs> he's got the 
the burly muscular <laughs> guy who wears the black yeah. hood the executioner's uh, hood yeah you can't spell then... quality control without q <laughs> uh... <laughs> I have no follow-up. Well done. <laughs> That's good stuff. But this is where it's all action here from uh, in on out. Um, we get this great back and forth. And it's and, like, I love that the uh, Picard Vash argument is continuing from uh, not on screen yet. You hear them arguing oh, yeah. and then they enter the scene as they're being pushed forward as, as, uh, prisoners to the execution block. <laughs> right. um, I also love that there's a feast uh, out there for both the the lord and the sheriff to be enjoying while they're watching someone's head be cut off. That's you know what you do. Well, it's entertainment, man. It's entertaining. They didn't have Netflix. I I just do love that quarreling though, like because it's so. I do too. Um, it's a throwback to those 1940s relationship movies, right? That just like very, um, there's sparkle between them, but but there's just constant fighting uh, yeah. that is co- just barely covering over the fact that they just want to smash each other super hard, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's very hard to do. A lot of modern movies try to try to emulate that screwball comedy pairing, and yeah. it's, it, and it, it can come off very grating, but they manage to make yeah. it work. Agreed. I think this scene is where the one out of all the rest of the episode that I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, no, they're a couple. Like, I can I can really see that. Um, and maybe that's because my wife uh, and I bicker a lot. And it, it's our love language. And it is how it all, uh, you know, ends up being, I think, one of the reasons why we have stayed together for so long. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I can see us. When we're about to be executed by Q and Sherwood Forest, <laughs> we would have those same discussions. <laughs> You're ruining my execution, Greg. <laughs> Well, if you had listened to me, we wouldn't even be executed right now. There's a great story about uh, Walter Matthau and his wife on vacation, and they go, they get in a big fight right before they go to Dachau and tour it. And when they get back to break the silence, finally goes, Well, you ruined Dachau for me. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Lord. Uh, so Picard puts his head down on the block and he's a little bit like, are we, are we really doing this? Is this really happening? And, uh, that's where we get that the red robed monks are in fact Riker and the rest of the crew. And they're like, there's too many of them. I don't know where we can find them. We need a distraction. And that's where Data suddenly has a bomb in his wrist. Right? Firecrackers. Just in case. Is it just fuses that he has that he knows are like what is that are explosive yeah it's a light bulb uh, that he takes Ooh. off out of his wrist puts it in the fire and i don't know if you guys noted this but the props mm-hmm. it falls right through the brazier <laughs> and falls onto the ground Did you just call and it then a brazier it, it, it was a brazier brazier i think is the brazier yeah no no it's nah. hot therefore it is a brazier brazier <laughs> <laughs> it falls right through and then like a beat happens then the explosion yeah. occurs and it, it made me laugh even more because of the poor quality of the props but then we get some action everybody's fighting yeah. it's just good fun Picard jumps onto the guards like it starts off with him like oh I'm gonna do a crowd dive all I know is that everybody is somehow good at fencing like <laughs> yeah like it's something they know how to do, but we give the ladies, they get to throw some pots. pots. So that's fun, I guess. Clay pots. 
come on. Yeah. Give, give me, you You can't tell me, yeah. you know, Gates McFadden Ridiculous. can't throw down. You know she could. You know the choice. Yeah, she be messing some people up. Right? Oh, yeah. And especially what we know now in, in Picard season three. Like, yeah, she, she could oh, yeah. have knocked them all out. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Troy knows she can feel who's a little scared, who's not confident about (laughs) their sword work, and she takes advantage of those people. Like, come on. You're opening up big holes into this whole simulation thing, man. If if she can start reading, like, emotions from the simulations. Well, thank you for bringing that up, Daniel, because that what struck me during this scene is, like, this is not the holodeck. Mm. These are people that they're killing. Oh. (laughs) These swords are going into bodies, and you're feeling that. Oh, wow. And one of the things you get when you're learning rapier and dagger is if you get some nice, real training, you get a pig put in front of you, so you feel what it's like to actually sink a sword into skin, wow. and it's not easy, and it, you can feel it. You can feel life against oh, your... Wow. Of course, it's not a, a live pig, but <laughs> you can feel that, and these guys are doing that. And, you know, of course, they're having fun because the scene, the, the whole episode is just about fun. But if we take ourselves out of that and, like, if this was real, they were really transported to this place. We know that Q has this ability. These are people. And they are they're, they're, they're defending themselves because they're, they're, mm-hmm. these people would have killed them. So it's not, like, you know, unwarranted murder, but it's still taking life. <laughs> and they're, like... Just kind of having fun. Yeah, that, their reaction is what I I I, I think that I just read it as a, as a simulation, partly because partly because one in one scene you mentioned that Picard jumps on those two guys. They have their swords out. He's like jumping into the swords, and they get the swords out of the into way. Where the swords are. Like, okay, I'm just gonna like Superman dive onto these dudes like like WWE and just. Right. Right. <laughs> And yeah, to your point, Kate, like the way that uh, Gates McFadden and Marina Sirtis. I feel like uh, Marina Sirtis in particular, she smashes that clay pot onto them and she has to like back up a little bit and is like, oh, I don't know how to fight. Right. And they're like, no, she's a Starfleet officer. She's had training and should be a little bit more uh, badass in that situation. At least as much as Jordy. Yeah. <laughs> Jordy's kicking rocks his whole life. There's no way he ever picked up a sword. <laughs> We also get the great uh, scene where all the chaos is happening around him and Q is just sitting there eating a chicken wing. (laughs) So fun. Great comedy. And then, yeah, Patrick Stewart does some uh, uh, great sword fighting. Uh, We did get, at least in my mind, I was remembering that, oh, yeah, he was a fencer. He has fencing training and uh, is able to do that. And we see that in uh, in evidence here as he bests Guy. The Gislaine. Great swashbuckling. The finest swordsman in the land, by the yeah. way. Not to be a braggart. <laughs> yeah, if you're in the middle of a fight with somebody, you don't say that. <laughs> you're accepting fate there. Unless you're setting up a nice comeback line. Exactly, yeah. So it, he's a good partner, actually. Oh. Did anyone else get the uh, the Princess Bride vibes a little bit here, where he's yes. like, "I've got something to tell yeah, you. I'm I am not left-handed." Yes. Right, hundred percent. So, so was waiting for that. Yeah. 
And a great fall. I don't know if it was um, the actor, but it, if it was a, a stunt person, but they fell really well down the stairs and onto the floor. Like, that's yeah. rough. Yeah, I saw that head yeah. hit, the, hit the floor there, and he still maintained composure enough to not look at the camera so he wouldn't see his face. <laughs> and that's where uh, we get the ending of this thing. Uh, Picard goes up and rescues Maid Marion, who is brought up to the tower. I do like that she gets at least one badass moment where she throws one of her guards off of the uh, approach to the tower there before yes. the other guard takes her up to the tower. Um, that seemed to be in character very well. She wouldn't go quietly no. into the night. Um, but then Picard says, uh, hey, it's over now, Q. You know, send us back. And they all get uh, white flashy thinged back to the speech. But the architectural, architectural. <laughs> Archaeological council is no longer You know, longer I've always there. wanted to be an architect, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Art Vandelay was not able to uh, be there for the architectural council. You know, everything kind of goes back to normal. He goes back to the ready room. But Vash, white flashy thing appears in her safari garb. It's jaunty. (laughs) It is jaunty. Bit on the nose, but I like it. (laughs) And that's where it's revealed that Vash and Q are uh, at least partners, uh, if not shacking up for reals. Uh, and that sh- he's going to show her all of the things that she could ever want to be shown. Uh, basically, the offer that Q gave to Picard about going back to the ruins of Tagus 3, Vash is like, hell yeah, how could you say no? Just like you, Daniel. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'm Vash in this situation. Yeah, let's go for a ride. <laughs> and I feel like we've been shown through this episode that they're a good, that she's a good match against him. Because she doesn't mm. ever do what he expects her to do. And, you know, you would normally worry about someone running off with Q because he's so manipulative. And so, uh, but she's so smart and so wily that it's like, oh, this is going to, I want to see those adventures. I want to see the spinoff that is just Vosh and Q going through time. Oh, this is a very Doctor Who situation now that you mention it. Yeah, exactly. Picard gets angry uh, and lists all of the bad qualities of Q. Uh, uh, you know, he, he does this, he does this, he's terrible, he's terrible. And then she's like, yeah, duh, so am I. Yeah. Right? Like, and then that, you're right, it's, it, it, I, that puts Picard a little bit like, oh, all right, yeah, this does make Picard's a little like, bit of you, sense. Do you guys have to leave right away? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of a false choice. There's other paths here. Uh, but then they get to say goodbye and uh, they want to have a last farewell kiss. Q gets that hint he gets the social cue of like all right i need to leave but then he pops right back he forgot his hat. And i love that dirty bird forgot my hat dirty dirty bird <laughs> and then it's more this open mouth no, kissing no, they sweet kiss no. that time they don't yeah. open mouth mm. kiss that time i noted it i was like oh there is a wiki somewhere of every picard kiss on screen oh well i'm i'm there <laughs> oh, I, I I was just guessing there. I, but I'm, no, I'm no, I'm going to find it. And if it's not there, I'm going to create it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you're ready? To, and let's list. start ranking it, too. Yes. <laughs> the special episode, we do the tier uh, list of every on-screen Picard kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, right, this one's got two. We'll see how they, how they rank. Um, but she vanishes in the white puffy thing, and uh, that's the episode. Fun little romp through Shoreward Forest and the uh, Architectural Council. 
<laughs> Just lean to it. So let's give our final thoughts here. Jimmy G, I will throw it to you first. I love the episode. The only one quibble I have with it is um, sort of the petulant nature in which they write Picard um, dealing with Q. Only because of the many things we see Q do. And let's not forget... The Federation and the Alpha Quadrant only know about uh, the Borg because Q introduced them as a challenge. Like, oh, you think you're that great? Deal with this. Uh, and this has haunted them. It, it will continue to haunt them for many, many years. This is a dangerous person with omnipotent powers. And I, they sometimes allow the characters to talk and interact with him as if he's not that. Mm-hmm. Um, all these times they've overcome him, it's because he's allowed that to happen. They they have bested him. They've got to a point where he sees, oh, yeah, you've shown me that I'm wrong in that regard. I will let your species live. That danger is there, and to talk to him as if it's not, it's sort of, it's not being earnest with who this person you've presented to us is. Like, their writing, the, the universe they've created with him, it's just not a very honest dealing but whatever, the episode is so <laughs> much fun that I don't care. I'm going to give it nine Horgons wow. because wow. I've already said how much I love um, when we see uh, guest stars come back. And this has two. So that just ups it where the continuity of that wasn't just a one-off and that character doesn't exist anymore. We come back and get to see the, the life in a continuation. And these characters are both different at least slightly than we've seen them before. And that's just a lot of fun. And there are genuine laugh out loud moments in this. And when you've had some serious episodes, it's really good scheduling wise in terms of your episodes, just to throw in something that's just for fun. Like the Christmas day episode of Dr. Who, where, Mm. you know, it's going to end. Okay. It's going to have fun. Um, And and I really like that. They gave us that, uh, especially with John Delancey. So nine, Sexy horror <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you think, Kate? Uh, I'm going to give it eight and a half open mouth kisses. <laughs> uh, I think that there's just a lot to love here. Like Jimmy said, there's just, uh, it's a fun episode. It's a nice um, change from some of the um, more heavy episodes that we've had this season. So it's a nice respite. I agree with Jimmy, just the joy of having two characters come back and see how past episodes still have effect on on current episodes. It's nice to see continuity in that way. And I just love when they go to Sherwood. It just, it, you know, I, I, you know, I know I mentioned some acting differences. It's not enough to turn me off from the episode because it's overall so joyful. I get to see uh, Patrick Stewart in tights, so I'm a fan. <laughs> So, yeah, that's what I'm giving it. Sweet. Daniel, what about your thoughts? You know, I, I was going to rate it a little bit lower than y'all, but you've, t- you've talked me into it and, and raised it. <laughs> so I'm going to give it, I'll, I'll give it eight and a half broken lutes. 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 Yeah, uh, I, I thought, um, in hindsight, I thought this episode had a lot of highlights, but it didn't kind of gel into a co- like a, a big coherent episode. It's kind of like two episodes, really. It's uh, mm. stuff kind of preamble before the Sherwood Forest stuff and then Sherwood Forest. And the first part never really gets a resolution where he does a speech or anything like that. The archaeological, architectural 
council is all gone there. And it was like, <laughs> not, not that that would have made a thrilling episode, but it would have been a nice button at least. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm going to give it, yeah, eight and a half broken lutes. Lutes. I can't do the liquid you. Lutes. <laughs> I, I think I'm, a, I'm with you, actually. I'm going to go with uh, seven Q pips on his collar. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a really fun episode. I laughed out loud as you all said. It's a nice change of pace from the heavier stuff that Star Trek sometimes gets into, including... The subsequent episode from this is 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 one of those, and it calls back uh, all the things we we're saying about how the Borg were really introduced to uh, Earth by Q as a, as a villain. Um, I think I mean a lot about how uh, John Delancey was approaching this and trying to make it a little bit more malevolent. And I agree, he Q works better as a villain. Um, I remember him fondly as being funny like this too, but I uh, I'm I'm. Really sensitive to what you were saying, Jimmy, about how I wish it kind of was had that little bit of uh, undercurrent of nastiness throughout. But we get all these great moments. We get these um, actors who are clearly having fun creating this episode together. And you don't see that all the time. Right. And so I thought that was really notable for that and that we get Vash actually returning in the Deep Space Nine episode. Um, so we get a little bit of an update as to how her adventures had been going with Q uh, that whole time. And I um, I find that a little bit intriguing. I want to know more. And uh, I think it's worthwhile for that. Daniel, it was so great having you here uh, talking about all this with you. Thank you so much. What are some of the uh, projects and things that you can point our audience to if they want to find out more about what you're doing uh well professionally you can look for any of the star trek games from WizKids uh coming to game stores near you uh personally uh i am writing a book on graphic design for board games and tabletop games that will be published in about uh, at this rate maybe like a two like one and a half years two years it's it's in in progress in writing right now uh, so whenever you're listening to this, it, it may be ready by the time you listen to it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, look for that. It, it's probably going to, we don't even have a final title yet, but look for something like graphic design for board games or something like that. And, and mm-hmm. you'll find it there. Uh, thanks. Excellent. Yeah. You want to uh, shout out any of your socials? Oh, sure. Uh, just look for danielsolis.com. That's D-A-N-I-E-L-S-O-L-I-S. <laughs> Sweet. Excellent. Uh, Super fun. Um, I have drank about four flagons of coffee, and so my pants are very wet. Ooh. (laughs) Thanks, y'all. We did it. Thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we continue our mission with the next episode of the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Reengage on Twitter at ReengageTNG to get updates when episodes are published and some other stuff. You can also follow our various Cultural Bridge crew on social media. Kate Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Reengage is edited by Greg Tito. Logo artwork by MojoJojo97 on Twitter. Theme music is by Brian Marth. Thank you so much for listening. Stand by now for the travelers to reengage.